Welcome to The Inner Room, a study where we review highlights on daily scriptures and focus on the instructions and examples they provide to learn mastery of our emotions, to guide us in our spiritual journey, to learn to pray, worship, and listen to God's will for our lives. Since I've taken time off for the summer, I'm going to summarize the readings from the last couple of weeks and make some commentaries because they are so beautiful. We have been doing our journey through the book of Numbers where Moses is taking the people from Mount Sinai where he got the Ten Commandments into the Promised Land. And we find him in Numbers 12 with Miriam and Aaron speaking to him and they are accusing him, they are rebuking him, they're speaking to him against the decision that he has made to contract marriage with a Cushite woman. And they're complaining, saying, is it through Moses alone that the Lord speaks? It is a double-edged sinful stance, because on one side they are speaking against someone that is chosen by God, but in another, in very serious way, they are questioning God's choice. And by asking if it, the Lord can only speak through Moses, but not through them as well, they're showing a kind of pride that is stopping them from being vehicles for God to work through them. The Lord then engages and says something remarkable. He says that if a prophet is amongst the people, and you can hear the rumble, probably there's such a storm behind me. If a prophet is chosen, then God will, will speak through him, and there will be signs, and there, there will be visions, and prophecies, and dreams. But with Moses, it is different. So at the tent, he brings the three to the tent to explain all of this, says it's, it is with Moses that I speak face to face. And it is with Moses that I speak plainly. I don't play games. I don't draw any kind of inference. I speak directly. Why did you not fear to speak against my servant Moses? This is a question we can ask ourselves as we try to tame our tongues and use our tongues for God's work. Somewhere, you probably can find it, it says that it is harder to have domain of one's tongue than over, over a city. It is very easy to let our tongue speak in ways that are not pleasant to God. I had a season in my life that I was really focused on looking at my own way of speaking and I wrote in my calendar daily that I would use my tongue for good as a way of cutting some habits that I had with certain people of speaking in ways that really were not pleasing to God and I realized how hard it was to break myself of the habit because I was used to being with certain people and speak in certain ways that kind of bonded us. And I liked these people and I enjoyed being with them, but I didn't enjoy what we were saying or how we were saying it. 
And so I started to shift and realized that unless I could really shift with them, then our relationship would have ended. And it's easy to let our tongue go down paths where we are criticizing or maybe gossiping or maybe uh, judging or uh, simply building up stories, you know, to pass the time or uh, insulting or using wrong words. There's so many layers that our words can, can create worlds that are not what we really should be creating. That in that season, I learned great lessons. I had to leave some groups. They, they were not my groups anymore. And in others, I had to find new ways of talking. And it required a little bit of a boundary setting, you know, saying, you know, I've realized that we tend to have these conversations and they are not really edifying. And I really would like to not speak about this this way. And I'm wondering if perhaps we can find other things to talk about. And there was a bit of shock when I said that and a bit of like, really? I mean, you're going to be like that? And it was not um, easy to, to present it. But then after, you know, a little bit, there was clarity that, yeah, maybe maybe we can talk about something else, you know? And I would just say that, why don't we talk about something else? Uh, you know, I just saw this or that. And did you know about this? Or did you see that program or you know, History Channel, there was this thing I learned, something that is uplifting. Here then, in the story of Moses, we find that Miriam and Aaron, being so close to Moses, have a feeling of jealousy, a desire that the Lord also speaking through them, and they have a punishment. Miriam actually gets leprosy immediately. Aaron and Moses look at her, and Moses intercedes for Miriam. We don't see it in the story where we got at the point where Moses cries out to God, please heal her. But if you've read this story, you know that she's asked to leave the camp for seven days and that then she's restored. And then we find in the next reading and in um, chapter 13 of the book of Numbers that they send out people to look at the land of Canaan and to bring back reports and so they send one man from each tribe and when they come back the uh, people that are that are spying and, and bringing reconnaissance they say that the land is fruitful and it has milk and honey and wonders and they also say that it has fortifications and that there are some people in the region and they name all of the different tribes that they find by the uh, banks of the of the river Jordan and they also name that there are some very large people that they call giants and that that would be hard to, it would be hard to attack. And that hearing this, the community starts to cry out because they are afraid. They're wailing and the Lord gets really upset saying, how long will this wicked assembly grumble against me? We've been seeing how they grumble about the food, about the length, about the desert, about all of the inconveniences, about now the people that they are going to encounter on the other side of the River Jordan. And so the Lord says, enough is enough. These people are not ready to cross the Jordan. They must die on this side because 
even though they've been in the desert for years and years and years, they cannot let go of their old ways in their hearts and in their minds. They must die, be buried in the desert, and it is the new generation that did not experience slavery in Egypt that can actually look forward and be propelled from the future rather than to be in a constant desire to go back to slavery. So the Lord then determines that they're not going to come into the promised land. And they continue um, meandering through the, through the desert and they finally arrive in the desert of Zin and there is where Miriam dies and is buried. So we see that that generation is not ready to enter and they've come to a place that is very important if you've ever done the liturgy of the hours which starts with an in, kind of invitatory psalm you see that 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 psalm remembers this particular chapter in numbers 20 where moses intercedes because there's no water and the lord says hit the rock and water will come out so moses assembles the whole people there and in front of them the lord says tap it once and it'll come out but moses doesn't tap it once he taps it twice and for that moment the lord says you will not yourself enter into the promised land not even moses faithful prepared who fought battles crossed the ocean or the red sea i like saying ocean the red sea and has seen all these miracles and wonders, has seen God face to face, has written the tablets, has had a column through which God communicates, comes into the presence of the temple. Not all of that makes Moses able to tap the rock once. He taps it twice and the Lord says, okay, let's make a fresh move into the promised land with all the new people. We know how much God loves Moses. Moses shows up in the Transfiguration, which is one of the readings of the week. So he's so important. And he is somebody that God loves. We know that. And yet, the fact that in the presence of this grand assembly, he doesn't do what God said, needs to also receive the justice from God. Sometimes we have a hard time relating to the justice of God. We like God as a father, God as a friend, but we don't like God as a judge. And in this case, Moses is experiencing the, uh, he's been experiencing the friendship of God, but here he's experiencing his judgment. You can't second guess me in front of the assembly, Moses. This has a consequence. Hello, this is Sofia Fonseca de Niño, and I welcome you to this inner room. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram under the inner room, Emotions in the Bible. And we would love to hear your questions, your ideas, or your comments. Thank you for joining us today.